Good morning all and Jai Sat Gurudev. Let us begin our session with prayers to the holy feet of Sadhguru, whose grace and guidance illuminate our path to liberation. As we close our eyes, let us surrender to his presence and open our hearts to the possibility of transformation. My prayers to do the holy feet of Sadhguru. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Dev Maheshwara, Guru Shakshat Parabrahma, Tasme Sri Guru Namaha. Welcome to the weekly sat Sunday Satsang. A yet another awaited gathering of spiritual seekers. My name is Ruturaj and I am joining this virtual satsang from Connecticut. In today's fast-paced world, our lives are often filled with commitments and responsibilities. Our days are occupied with fulfilling our physical, mental and social needs and responsibilities. In this fast-track lifestyle, the needs of the soul are often forgotten and neglected. So first, I warmly congratulate each one of you for taking time from your busy schedules to join us here today to nourish and fulfill the requirements of our souls. Now, let's move forward to the next phase of this session, Surveyed Wisdom. For the last few years, Navi has been conducting this session continuously just to brief you on the background of Sarvej, Swamiji Sadguru Sadafal Devji Maharaj, who founded Vihangam Yoga, has written several books during his lifespan. Sarvej is the masterpiece created by him. You can call it the Encyclopedia of Spirituality. He wrote down all his experiences in this book that he acquired during the 17 years of meditation practice. Our speaker for the day is Utkar Sanandi from Pittsburgh. He is a very dear disciple of Sadhguru. He has been associated with Vihangam Yoga's Three Pillars, Seva, Sadhana and Satsang for many years. He is quite knowledgeable and has many years of experience. Let us invite Utkarsji to share his wisdom from Surveyed. Get ready to immerse ourselves in the sacred sounds of the universe and elevate our consciousness to the realms of the divine. Over to you, Utkarsji. Okay, Sadhguru Dev. No, very good morning, all. Thank you so much, Rituraji, for this wonderful opportunity. Let me just bow down to Sadhguru Dev's feet and uh, ask him for forgiveness and also a lot of help in understanding uh, his his knowledge, all the knowledge that he found out and he paraphrased it into this wonderful encyclopedia of spirituality called Swarved that we may even be able to imbibe, understand and appreciate one drop of this wisdom today. Sharanama Sharanaho He Guru Bandi Chor Mohyobaro He Guru Sabari Mehor Guru Saname Saname Guru Maname Maan Guru Janame Janame so, yes, Karo Guru Gan. No, Papa Mitai Karo Guru Karo Suyashava Khan. Arata Dina Dina Hai Charana Kamala Chittan. No, Stay Sadhguru Sharanan Lag. Aham bhav guru se kiye Yaha tav bada bhag I apologize in advance. I have a 
bit of a sore throat today, so I hope it uh, it cooperates with today's exercise. But we are looking at this wonderful and a very deep meaning, Doha, uh, from Swarved, which is in the first mandal, uh, the first zone, and the first adhyay or chapter of Swarved. This is Doha number 47. And may I request uh, any of the attendees, if you could step up and uh, give my throat a relief, if you could uh, read this uh, in Hindi, including the Bhashya, please, before we start. Yes, Gudeutkashi, I can. Okay, Ardhamukhitan mahi Phooli sadguru ki kripa Udhagagan mukh jahi Is shareer ke andar ashta chakra hai जिनके द्वारा प्राणों के संबंध से सारे देह संघात की समस्त क्रियाएं होती हैं प्राकृतिक देह में चक्रों के स्थान होते हुए भी इसे योगी जन ही देखते हैं एवं इनका ज्ञान योगियों को ही होता है मूलाधार स्वादिष्ठान मणिपूरक अनाहत विशुद्ध आज्ञा ब्रह्म रंध्राख्य और सहस्त्रार ये आठ चक्र हैं इन आठ चक्रों का मुख बंद होकर नीचे को है जब सदगुरु की कृपा होती है तब सभी कमलों का मुख उर्ध गगन की ओर हो जाता है सूर्य को देखकर ही कमल उर्ध मुख होकर खिलते हैं इसी प्रकार ब्रह्म विद्या के विमल प्रकाश में जब ब्रह्म प्रभा उदय होती है तब साधक के समस्त संपुट कमल खिल कर उर्ध गगन की ओर मुख कर देते हैं प्रकाश देने वाला पदार्थ ऊंचा और गतिमान होता है इस प्रकार आध्यात्मिक गगन के प्रखर सूर्य के प्रकट होने पर शरीर के सभी संपुट कमल खिल जाते हैं परंतु सदगुरु की दया विशेष प्रभा से ही इन कमलों को प्रकाश प्राप्त होता है जिसके द्वारा वे खिलते हैं सदगुरु की सहज दया होती है परंतु कृपा करने पर होती है इसलिए अध्यात्म जगत के सविता सदगुरु जब अनन्य शरण आस्तिक्य भाव पूर्ण निष्ठावान भक्त की ओर एक विशेष स्थान से दिव्यावलोकन करते हैं तब देह के आठों कमल खिलकर ऊर्धमुख हो जाते हैं यह अनुभूति ज्ञान सदगुरु के अनन्य शरण भक्तों को प्राप्त होता है और हुआ है थैंक यू वेरी मच माया जी फॉर द ब्यूटीफुल रेंडेशन and also reading the bhashya or the explanation of this doha in hindi i'm going to try my best to uh touch upon this and try to uh describe in uh the beloved english language about what sadguru dev is trying to explain here but before we can begin to understand this complex topic that includes chakras uh sadguru dev's kripa and the lotus what not let's let's just try to quickly revisit what we have been doing at this satsang over the last few weeks if you all recall uh, revisit with me we've been looking at aspects of yoga that revolve around the sant the sadguru and how these entities selflessly benefit us us being the practitioners of yoga we are all innately seekers inquirers of varying degree that's why we have we are all here we have some questions we need some answers there there have been something unexplained that we would like to 
better understand. There have been different motivations that bring us here. However, there are also some of us, like me, uh, I'd say we are self-appointed, uh, uh, self-described hackers, if I may. Hackers who are continuously trying to up find optimal ways of maximizing our human potential. And it's, it's basic things like being able to do more in less time, like being more productive throughout the day, uh, the basic ability to read and understand faster right from our student days. And uh, right now in the corporate world, like just showing up for a, a last minute scheduled meeting, but well prepared, even with five minutes to spare. We barely have the time to read through the agenda, recall what happened, what talked what was talked about, uh, say two weeks ago in the, the previous iteration. But let's be honest, life places so many limitations on us and this human body. Like our bodily energies don't stay the same throughout the day, uh, especially after meals, if, you, uh, if anyone uh, can em empathize with me, especially after lunchtime, that, that this phase where one would be non-productive, say, without another cup of coffee. We're often not able to recall everything that we read or noted, unless we say bring up notes and whatnot. And for a lot of these, uh, modern science is also trying to hack and understand uh, how the human body works, but it's yet to give us all the answers. And uh, especially even answers to the most common problems that ail us, like in the area where that relate to the body's inner workings. Inner working, the inner balance, and when things go out of balance, there are what about the problems that originate internally? I mean, where the root cause of bodily ailments like chronic diseases, right, that lie within the body and are not triggered by an external stimulus. Uh, so, so we're excluding conditions like uh, an injury from an accident or a pathogen, infection from a pathogen like virus or bacteria, etc. So we, we're more focused on things like, say, diabetes, uh, life cycle triggered or, or autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes again, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis and so forth, which are triggered internally. To explain some of these, the our ancient yogis, they extensively studied one critical component of this body, that is the prana. And it wasn't just ancestors, ancestors of the folks of Indian origin. It was also other cultures had contemporary uh, researches going on. So say, what's the, the prana, equivalent of prana, the life force? Then in East Asia, there's, they were, they're talking about chi, and they try to understand the impact this has or what role it plays in all of our physiological functions. And uh, the way our ancient uh, Indian scripture describes prana is that it's prana is effectively responsible for everything that happens physiologically in the human body. So chakras are uh, basically centers of energy of this prana energy which line up along the spine of the body so all the way from the bottom the tail end of the the spine to all the way to the 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 crown of the head uh, beyond the spine the the top of the the head space uh, there are eight centers that have been identified which are called the uh, the called chakras effectively because they are chakras, chakra is a Hindi, Hindi term that relates to something spinning, like a spinning disc. Uh, similarly, you can you can imagine that that say this is where these are the centers where say if there are rivers flowing out through the body, rivers of of different types of prana, pranavayu, panavayu, udanavayu, and and so forth different uh, rivers, different tributaries, distributaries, when they're flowing, they would form uh, some sort of whirlpools at certain prime locations. So it's those centers, which are in the layman term, uh, the way I try to describe, would, uh, how, uh, how I would go about understanding what chakras are. 
So we have uh, one of the things that this Doha talks about, Sadhguru Dev uh, clarifies that uh, the chakras are present all through the physical body, right? These are located within the physical body, but only yogis can see them and have knowledge of them. This is explained by the fact that, of course, uh, modern science has not yet developed instruments or visualization techniques to uh, be able to, say, dissect a, a cadaver, cadaver or a human body and uh, or image a, a living human body and see where these chakras might exist. Uh, there is some research that's going on into different waves that the brain area produces, like alpha waves, beta waves. But uh, we, the understanding of the, the human brain itself is very limited. Forget about uh, touching upon hey, how chakras work within the body. So modern sciences get to witness them, but uh, there have been many instances and uh, that I'm sure many of you have, would have instances of your own where uh, the statement that it's only a yogi who will be able to see, view, and understand uh, the chakra situation in a disciple. So interestingly, uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of explanations here, but uh, just high level, let's let's talk about the different chakras, and I'll. I'll I'll, with examples, I'll uh, my personal examples. I'll show you how uh, how yoga has tried to explain some of these. Uh, so the eight chakras are uh, Muladhar chakra, which is located at the base of the spine, kind of associated with grounding and stability. Again, I have limited understanding, limited practical experience there, so I'm not going to delve into that. So Muladhar chakra is the bottommost. Slightly above the lower abdomen, uh, there's the Swadeshthana Chakra. A little further above in the upper abdomen is the Manipurak Chakra, which is also commonly known as the Solar Plexus Chakra. Then uh, traveling further up in the center of the chest, the, the heart region is the Anahata Chakra. Anahata Chakra. You move further up to the throat, that's the Vishuddha Chakra the, or the throat chakra. Then somewhere within there's a within the headspace there's uh, Brahmaranrakya chakra, uh, and it's the it's the mystical eighth chakra that is very important for uh, one's uh, Kundalini jagran and uh, awakening of the conscious flow of energy called Sushumna. There's uh, the the seventh chakra would be near the between the eyebrows area called the Ajya chakra agya chakra and uh, further up the crown of the head would be the sahasrara chakra so all chakras play different roles but uh, what i've personally experienced uh, and in my my very limited interactions with with the yogis that we have been honored to interact with like Sant Sri Namdevji Maharaj who was uh, visiting us uh, back in December to last year. There were specific examples, specific incidents I, I noticed where he was able to like out of a class of uh, 60 odd people at, at one of our uh, events here in um, one of his Divyavani's meditation discourse here in the, the Hindu Jain temple at the Pittsburgh area. Uh, he, while he was walking away, as the program ended, he only stopped and spoke with two individuals who were very new to Vihangam Yoga, no idea what it's about. He interacted with uh, both of them. And uh, I overheard uh, only the conversation uh, with the second gentleman and uh, uh, the this Guru Bhai, uh, Santashi, told him that uh, looking at your chakra, I know you're ready for the second level of Vihangam Yoga. So please visit us, visit me in this ashram um, and the Dandakun ashram. And because it's incidentally closer to his, this gentleman's ancestral home uh, in India, in, in the state of Maharashtra. That, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll initiate you into the second level of Vihangam Yoga. Uh, I was very curious. I, I don't intervene. 
uh, but when Sanchi had passed, uh, I was given the instruction that, hey, please connect with this gentleman and make sure that he gets the support he needs uh, if he wishes to progress in his spiritual journey. I connected with him and uh, I was surprised. He, I learned that he uh, was experiencing a lot of the, the, the taste of bliss, the taste of the indescribable uh, ultimate happiness that one may get. Just and uh, which leads to something so like an intoxicated state of uh, that one feels right after meditation. For him, the state continues uh, and doesn't slow him down. So it's it's that ideal one of the milestones that we know about rest, the state of restful alertness. So that was one example, and the first gentleman that uh, Santoshi spoke with. I, uh, we did, uh, we hosted a, an in-person uh, meditation workshop just two weeks after at our place on a Sunday and Sanchi had left, uh, long by then. And this gentleman who's, uh, 70 years of age, uh, is, uh, a doctor, uh, by profession residing here in Pittsburgh of, of Indian origin, uh, uh, coincidentally too. He comes in, lays a, uh, yoga mat sits down, cross-legged feet, uh, cross-legged, and tells me that uh, I've been sitting, this is the first time I'm sitting on the floor in 40 years. Over the last 40 years, I've had four different back surgeries and uh, I haven't seen any success anywhere. But when I was at the Divyavani with Santashi, listening to Santashi Namdev Maharaj, something left my body and i knew that the the roadblock has been pulled out and removed so these are just two very recent examples but uh with I'm, I'm sure you, you'll all have a lot of wonderful examples more personal experiences too but uh it's important to understand what the the role the chakras play but the the way Vihangam Yoga has uh, and Sadhgurudev has simplified it for us, it's not uh, we're not required to we're not even expected to uh, dive deep into or worry about the technicalities of of uh, each chakra, and I'll we come to that on why that is so. Like, like we don't have to worry about the theory and the concepts behind it. Uh, the Vihangam Yoga to me is the science of doing instead of uh, spend time learning theory, for example, researching theory. But now is the time to put that theory to practice. Let's walk the talk. Uh, let's experience for ourselves what everyone is talking about. So I started uh, looking deeper into this Doha and uh, the the first thing that struck me was why are we talking about uh, the lotus flower here like it's it's uh, referenced that the the face of these eight chakras are closed and face downward and upon being graced by the Sadhguru the face of these chakras they turn upward towards the sky so the lotus flower turns upward and blooms only by seeing the sun. So it was interesting to me and I had to actually research some of the horticulture websites uh, where I learned, I was educated that the, excuse me, I'm trying to make sure I, I quote exactly what I, I read about. The lotus flower typically blooms during the summer. They start to open up at sunrise and close during late afternoon for a few days before they finally wilt and die. That explains it. And beyond this phenomenon too, a lot of different cultures look at Egyptian, you look at uh, ancient Chinese philosophy. They all, uh, Taiwanese, uh, for example, they play, they they place the lotus flower at an exalted status. It has a very special spiritual significance. It's kind of, it, it signifies 
birth, rebirth, evolution. It signifies different aspects of of uh, prosperity. Uh, the the one thing that uh, connects uh, the lotus flower back to our journey of yoga is that think about the journey of the lotus flower. The lotus flower emerges from a dirty and unclean pond. It gets nutrition. It gets its life from the bottom of a pond, which could be extremely dirty. But it still manages to rise up, rise up, blossom at the surface of that pond, which again might be dirty, might be polluted. But the beauty of this lotus flower is once it's blossomed, its leaves and it, they are untouched by anything, any of the dirt around them from whence they emanated. That, to me, is the essence of what we are trying to do when we talk about karma yoga, for example. So the, the lotus flower is a part of the pond. But being a part of the pond, interacting, uh, imbibing nutrients from the pond, interacting, giving things back, it's still separate and risen above the pond. So there are lots of interesting things about why uh, the lotus is so important, but Sadhgurudev here helps us visualize by equating each chakra to like a lotus flower. Lotus flower, it's uh, Samput Kamal. Samput Kamal means it's unblossomed, unbloomed yet. So it's a closed flower bud that's turned upside down. Its head is upside down. And just like how when the sun rises, the lotus flower blooms right then, there is a source of spiritual light that when it enters the body, each of our chakras have the ability to turn upward and bloom fully. So I'm sure you're visualizing that, but what does this mean? This means that one may get the ability to maximize the potential of each of our chakra, each chakra that's responsible for so many important physiological functions. We have the ability with the benevolence, with the blessing of that source of energy, that source of light to get all of our chakras blossomed at the same time. So just diving a, a little bit deeper into that thought. It is very important to understand that it is only through the grace and exclusive radiance of the Sadhguru, who has been described as the sun uh, in the spiritual universe. So the sun of the spiritual universe, the one who's the source of the light. And the Nityanadi Sadhguru Dev, as we have read in the as we've understood in the past few weeks, he's the, the one who brings this knowledge to souls like us who've long forgotten where we came from, long forgotten who we truly are, and are now fully dependent on this physical body that we've been given and the different limitations of that's described, governed by these eight levers in our body, the eight chakras. Some might be closed, some might even be open, but if they're not in balance, then are we sure we're living life uh, uh, fully uh, to our maximum potential as a well-oiled machine? So that's where... Sadhguru Dev has clarified here that this entity which provides the light, that entity is responsible for uh, giving us that energy, that, that trigger 
to maximizing our potential. However, how do we get to that stage? We've already understood that a Sadhguru Dev's benevolence is naturally ever-present. We read, we heard extensively about Sants who live and breathe just for the benefit of others. And Sadhguru Dev, Sadhguru is the, the guru, the Dev among such Santa. He is the head of the Santamat, the path of the Sant. Naturally, his benevolence is, is ever-present and equally showering on all disciples of all any and all category driven by any and all motivation. But other than benevolence, his grace, his kripa, that's the, the would be grace would be the loose translation of kripa. That's the next level. That's the when he bountifully bestows much more than his his ever-present kindness onto a deserving soul, onto a deserving seeker. So when the Sadhguru, the son of the spiritual world, he performs that divyavalokan, a gaze, a specific divine gaze from the Sadhguru, placed and gaze, gaze upon, gaze upon a disciple from a specific board towards an ex exclusively dedicated, faithful uh, disciple, practitioner. That is what is Divya Avalokan and is the key, the channel through which we get, we may get that Kripa, that grace, which can begin to unlock everything that has been holding us back. This experience and knowledge is has been attained by exclusively devoted uh, souls. We see so many of them around us. You hear about yogis at these satsangs and at other satsangs. You, you may have heard about folks. We see daily examples. Every time we look at those, the, the Brahma Murata warriors at the end of this satsang, there is, there is a capability, there is an ability that some folks have been able to unlock. They're all successful professionals. They all have busy lives, but still they are able to make sure that they consistently wake up during the Brahma Muharata and do their meditation sadhana, meditation practice without fail because that is the instruction of the Sadhguru. The living examples of what Sadhguru Dev's bhakti or devotion is like. And one can do this, and I, I am an example of this. One can stretch and strive to show this, to, to live like this, say, through the meeting all the checks check boxes on uh, what are the, the rules of the, sad, sad, of the Santa Samaj, for example. And all of the, uh, the guidances that Sadhguru Dev has given. But it won't be sustainable without the, the grace of the Sadhguru. So I'll just end my my words here with this uh it's encouragement that there are numerous examples around us numerous uh stars in the spiritual universe that we can look up to and who have been our guiding light have been able to encourage us let's learn and follow examples of the different santas who are around us keep visiting us time and again and see how we may awaken our true potential towards uh, beginning the, the journey towards awakening our, our eight chakras. I'll take a, a pause here to see if there are any questions because there's one aspect of this Doha that uh, 
I would like to touch upon time permitting. Thank you, Jaisal Gurudev. Back to you, Ritraj. Thanks a lot, Udkarsi, for sharing your thoughts on this couplet from Survey so beautifully in such simple words. Uh, now, this floor is open to the audience. Take this opportunity to ask your questions or share your thoughts around this couplet. We'll try to end this discussion in another 15 or 18 uh, minutes. Yes, Sadhguru Maya here. I have one question on the practical aspect of these chakras. Um, if one disciple, the meditation practitioner, uh, has these open, what are the experience that does he know, he or she, that eight chakras are open at this point? Uh, any indication for the practitioner that ensures the practitioner is not confused and the chakras are open? That's an excellent question, Mayaji. And I am ignorant and illiterate uh, when it comes to this practical experience. But I have quizzed some yogis uh, on this very aspect. And what I have learned is that when uh, a yogi reaches that stage where they are able to view chakras, they, get, they awaken the ability to view chakras, it starts with them being able to view their own chakras. So they are instantly able to know which day, which chakra might uh, say be a little less powered, if I may. Like what are the days, days where, uh, for example, if their uh, Muladhar chakra is a little off one day. And could be due to a number of reasons, external prakriti, we are all impacted by it. But one of the, the precautions that they know uh, they can follow from that point on is that they have to eat light, make sure they rest uh, their core enough. They don't do a lot of bending exercises, for example, and uh, making so to avoid the chance of an injury at the, the tailbone in the lower backbone area, the lower back area. There's uh, some other examples like around the, but the Manipura chakra, the upper abdomen, if that's uh, way too excessive, sometimes it could lead to issues like a uh, lot of acidity, for example. And they will instinctively know that that's the day where they would be better off, say, for example, doing upas and making eating something extremely light. The, the confusion does appear arrive, uh, but it arrives. Uh, they, the folks that are confused about this, if you're confused, that makes sure means that you do not have the complete knowledge. You haven't had the complete uh, witness. You haven't borne witness to the the true thing, the of the the nature of the chakras. So some folks might often confuse, like, "Hey, I'm seeing colors," uh, which is a very good sign. But colors could mean there's a color for each of the five elements of the nature. And this this colors associated with the different chakra. So just seeing colors is a good sign, but not worth thinking about too much about it because we still don't know that practitioner at that point does not know. And you know how creative the mind is. If uh, we start imagining this chakra and start reading about it, this chakra has this color. Maybe it's because of this thing that's happening in my body. And the mind can can has the potential to create a whole movie and take us on a wild goose chase. So that's my those are my two cents, but I would invite other experienced uh, uh, practitioners here to please chime in, keep me honest. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh. 
Utkarshji for putting your inputs. That was very insightful. Thank you. If there are any other questions, I can wait for a few seconds and we'll then jump to the last aspect of this. Not this though, but uh, a practical application on, okay, what next from this Doha? Uh, I have uh, one question. Uh, sí. So um, I have seen a few videos on YouTube. Uh, there are like several other um, spiritual organizations, uh, some yoga practitioners. They have shown some techniques to activate. Uh, I believe like uh, they uh, activate only seven chakras. They don't know about the eighth chakra. Um, so uh, they they show like uh, some use of like some ball, some sound, or like some some yoga techniques to activate uh, those chakras. Now my question here is um, uh, the way those uh, I mean those organizations uh, awaken the uh, chakras uh, is that experience is different from uh, what the experience we get in uh, Vihangam Yoga when uh, the chakras awaken or activate. Ritaraji, that's an excellent question and actually a segue into the next uh, uh, portion that I was going to touch upon. Uh, I, I have uh, interacted with yogis from other organizations too and Hatha Yoga practitioners too in this regard. And, and yes, you find, you go online, you find uh, so many areas where, so many offerings where you have this issue, hey, come to us, we'll do chakra healing or we'll do crystal healing or we'll do prana healing. Uh, Yes, they. I. 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 I cannot. Um. I. I. I don't know much about it. Uh. So I won't be commenting upon that. But it's very, very important to understand and know. Uh, that that the person you you're listening to, you're understanding to, do they have, uh, complete knowledge of how everything works. Like how how Santa Prabhuji time and again says uh, in his Devivani, Jo Vastu Jaisi Hai Vaisa Thakko Jaan. So that anything and everything, you're not, when you're observing a phenomena, you should not be bound by the Maya-related biases, prejudices. You see a phenomenon, you see an object, you see an entity, and, and know completely what it is in its true form. Uh, by witnessing it uh, uh, firsthand. So that is very important. And how can you try to gauge that? Of course, with, with practice uh, and listening to our Guru Acharyas. So I did take this question to uh, one of my Guru Acharyas. Actually, I was searching for, I consider... Uh, uh, Isha Institute's uh, Gurudev Jagivasadevji, my my yoga acharya for Hatha Yoga. Um, so he has clarified once that hey, if you accidentally end up being at with a practitioner who doesn't know entirety of what they're doing, maybe they mastered the ability to say activate one chakra. That does not mean that they know everything else about the rest of the system where that chakra operates. Right, the in and out of this human body, in and out of all the kinds of pancha prana and the pancha upa prana, the five prana, the five pranas. So it's very important to to raise that because if you if that person ends up being say a limited expert of their own niche, then that can do going uh, through those exercises can do more harm than good. So that that was one guidance I I got early on. Uh, but the uh, coming back to your question, yes, there are techniques available that allow uh, one to focus on one chakra and try to activate that chakra. Chakra uh, in Hindi, uh, Sadhguru Dev has used the terminology chakra ka bhedan karna, that you just target that chakra and just activate it. Uh, in just in the same Pratham Mandal, Pratham, uh, the first Mandal, the first Adhyay. Sadhguru Dev describes in uh, Doha number 49, Mudra Pranayam Sad, Bandh Kare Nahi Sant, Guru Prasad Phule Kamal, Sant Mata Par Ant. He's talked about, 
here uh, in the bhash pratamacharya ji has further elaborated that uh, the raja yoga has several uh, several chanchari bhuchari agochari unmuni khechari mudras and then uh, hatha yoga has uh, several other techniques like brajoli yoni mudra then there are tons of kriyae kriyas that require manipulating this manipulating our prana the prana flow different parts of the body uh, the 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 knowledge of the prana and uh, by employing different kinds of bandhas for example so a lot of kriyas require a lot of bandhas so things like uh, there, there are like three main kinds of bandhas when you if you try to hold your breath in and try to incorporate bandhas or locks so there's a muladhar bandha bandha in the pelvis and uh, then there's a uh, abdominal bandha i think udiyan bandha you that's a bandha of the uh, abdomen then there's a jalandhar bandha bandha of the throat you you just lock things in in sequence uh you unlock only the throat portion and then exchange breath again then lock it again hold the breath in for as long as you can and when going through these exercises you might see something happening that uh, fear holding your breath in for two a minute minute and a half then exhaling and if you somehow develop the with practice with due practice over i'm not saying even weeks months takes years with years of practice if you are able to even say stay on emptiness with no in air inside exhale and hold everything in even then they might be so you might start seeing some sort of vibrations some sort of uh different sensations that cannot be explained like vibrations in the in a part of the body where we know no muscle exists before the so before the body starts gasping for breath again right so that's that's like stretching traumatizing stretching traumatizing uh yes these exercises are effective in focusing on one bandha or in one chakra one specific area but they require a lot of time they require a lot of effort they're not comfortable at all uh which is why sadguru dev in this this doha that i just read he said that in vihangam yoga through sadguru's grace all eight chakras they spontaneously blo- blossom up vihangam yoga is for santos he keeps reminding that it's for sant the the folks who who desire aspire to to live like look up to sons and aspire to be sons that's why vihangam yoga is not for everyone yes we are able to unlock potentials unlock maximize things our energies our memory power our ability to interact communicate uh but while doing so we don't need to uh spend a lot of time interacting spend a lot of time investing into a specific chakra a specific kriya for one specific towards one specific outcome the outcomes the benefits that a well optimized chakra can yield is an automatic byproduct of when is on uh, one is on the vihangam yoga journey am i making sense i able to touch upon your question and I'd welcome others to please correct and chime in because i certainly do not have practical experience of this so i'm trying to understand sadguru dev's explanation and other uh varishth guru bhai guru bhai's experience through my very limited intellect thanks thank you so much sorry yeah go ahead my thank you so much utkarthi uh, putting all these things we are all learning together even you know listening others we 
uh, heard uh, uh, that chakras have their own color and you brought all beautiful points that um, you know vihangam uh, yogi eclis what journey sadgudev has described there's no confusion when you experience those um now i was just thinking even you know out of those learning from the senior disciples um that they do see colors the mantras in fact each chakras have their mantras as they open up they experiences those so i would think you know that there is no confusion but now i was thinking if that is all eight chakras open at one point now they are proceeding ahead so to proceed ahead and going beyond the journey do they have to have all those chakra every time to get to the final their um, focus is they are getting upward or once it's open it remains open and you just boom uh, your consciousness is up i was just thinking with the you know mind and intellectual um, based upon so if some some thoughts you could chime in there also kushji thank you bhai ji another beautiful question and uh, thank you this is uh, definitely one of the one of the the gaps i would say i where i failed to translate uh the exact meaning of sadguru dev's uh, doha the the one very important distinction between vihangam yoga and uh, other uh, kriyas or the forms of yoga or brahma vidya vihangam yoga journey uh, versus the rest of the understanding of a yoga is is that uh, other yoga forms are very much dependent upon uh, the the kriya that they do the physical faculties that they need to employ in order to reach an awakened or a heightened state uh with respect to one or one or more of the chakras or with respect to their overall uh, own consciousness awakening that has some effect and they need to keep doing it every day every day without fail regu- with regularity like otherwise if there's a gap uh what i have learned is that uh, what i have heard uh, while speaking with other disciples of other uh, practices the effect wanes wanes slowly so the longer they are they are since the last time they did sadhana uh, the effect somewhat wanes so you need to keep reminding keep doing that keep refreshing that but the the effect of vihangam yoga sadguru dev's kripa is that when uh, the when the the ninth door uh, in the the 10th door in the body opens up uh, the end of the the third uh, level of vihangam yoga when the uh, this uh, the kundalini uh, removes uh, leaves way and the sushman pravah happens that's when uh, the soul is able to see its own true form it is able to see its own consciousness separate from the what the mind has been making it see separate from uh, everything else in the body and uh, that's when then the, when the door opens it remains open is what my understanding is and as one progresses as through the fourth level and the fifth level when sadguru dev with his immense blessings he allows the 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 sarashab the prakash the, the prakash from the ultimate being the supreme being that that true knowledge in in, in the form of a light uh once that starts entering this body so that it can reach the the soul at its place of residence just near the heart that is like eternal light shining through and that is a stage uh where i have read about so many vihangam yogis about prathama chari ji's uh, own uh, uh, jeevan autobiography a biography written by vartaman sadgurudev uh, is that they can that's when a yogi can continue to roam around to live to work continuing to be in that elated state and start the uh, light which also allows the the eight uh, chakras to to stay blossomed 
I'm sure there will be situations where the, say, uh, nature-wise, there might be limitations. Say, there might be illnesses that one has to go through to uh, to respect and fulfill one's prarabd or the accumulated uh, karma and its results that one needs to reap in this body. But that light is constantly shining through and it does not matter whether you meditated this morning or meditated in the evening. Uh, there have been numerous instances where Prathamacharya used to complain uh, that I'm not able to do bhajan. Bhajan means his meditation practice. I'm not able to do bhajan this time, that time, and I'm so busy with this. And uh, Sadhguru Sadapal Devji Maharaj would explain to him that why are you so worried about bhajan? Bhajan will happen whenever I, I want it. Right now, your responsibility is on what you have been tasked with in the task, in this path of Sadhgurudev. So, uh, deviation from the routine with re related to uh, meditation, uh, that is the least of a concern for uh, Vihangam Yogi is what I have come to understand is what I'm really excited about and personally again I'm not not I'm far from there yet having just maybe maybe touched a, a, a water droplet from this immense ocean that's been made available to us by Sadhgurudev I certainly believe that with this practice I get the ability to say become meditative whenever the need arises, regardless of its, if it's Brahma Murat or not. If I missed my morning meditation and I only have, say, two minutes when one call ended and another meeting is about to start, I only have that two-minute uh, window where I need to prepare. That is more than enough for a Vihangam Yogi to achieve whatever Sadhgurudev thinks he is eligible for. I hope I addressed your question, but please, others, keep me honest, says Sadhgurudev. Yes, Sadhguruji, thank you so much. I thank have some thoughts here. Um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, please. 11.35, so we want to respect everyone's time. So we'll stop the discussion right here. And we'll move on. Uh, we'll give you the opportunity to uh, send out your questions to uh, either in the chat box or like uh, we'll send you the uh, phone number or uh, the WhatsApp group or uh, the email IDs where you can share your questions and get the uh, answer, get your questions answered. So now let's move on. I'd like to request the audience to take this opportunity to come forward and introduce yourself if you are new and joining this session for the very first time. I'm not sure if anyone is new here. Okay, I take it as no. So yeah, let's move on. Uh, warrior of the week. So Navi is proud to announce the Warrior of the Week event a challenge to us to rise before dawn and meditate during Brahmohurt, the sacred hours between 3 and 5 a.m. Though we may fail at times, let us strive to be warriors of meditation, cultivating the discipline and devotion to awaken our inner light and illuminate the world with our compassion. To encourage this, Navi has launched the Brahmohurt Warriors WhatsApp group a group of Vihangam Yoga meditators who commit to awake in the Brahmod and practice meditation on their own. Uh, there's no session to join. So the warrior of the week uh, is uh, are like uh, Bhagwati Patel, Radha Ji, Surya Alam Raju Ji, Tejinja Ji, so they don't um, do anything. They just uh, practice meditation in the Brahmohot and send a message done in the uh, uh, in the uh, Brahmohot uh, warriors uh, meditation group. Now uh, we have one more uh, section called like inductees of the week. 
These are those meditators who have at least tried once in the Brahma to practice meditation in the last seven days. The inductees of the week are Niranjan Kumarji, Amit Talkarji, Lalmanji, Prachi Sirshagarji, and Sirangji. Now we have raised the one days. quick question, Rishuji, on, on the on the Brahmahur. One quick question there. Sure. sure. Um, uh, is it okay that uh, when you do the Brahmahur uh, meditation uh, before five a.m. in the morning, in whatever time zone a person person is, and then and then uh, after doing the meditation, thirty minutes, and then he goes back to sleep and wake up at the normal work time. Yeah, is that okay or yeah, yeah that's perfectly possible? fine. Yeah. So yeah, not, it's like uh, not everyone has a habit of like uh, getting up early in the morning and continuing their daily routine. So most of us, what we do is like uh, the way you told. Uh, we wake up early in the morning. We practice and go back to sleep, and then uh, like, uh, wake up again uh, to continue our like daily routine. Perfect. Thank you so much for that clarification. Really appreciate. It. Thank you. Uh, now we have reached the last phase of today's workshop. In this phase, we can the short version of Vandana, Arti, and Sandhi part. So, uh, Vandana is the prayer through which. We seek blessings of the Sadhguru. We request good health, wealth, and seek his blessings for spiritual knowledge. I would now request Devji to sing the last four lines of Vandana. Over to you, Devji. Vandana. Prabhu Kalpa Santa Samaja Uttam Sarvadharma Chayahe Jimmy Nadia Street to Sindhu Kihe Vishwapathamayakaya He Prabhu Sacha Santa Samajatira Aparaksha Kijie Janasadafala Janabakti Pridi Dina Dina Kijie. Thank you. Thank you, Devji. Arti is another prayer offered to Sadhguru. Here we acknowledge the power of Almighty and pray that all disciples experience eternal joy, love, and freedom from worries under His holy guidance. I request everyone to stand up for the Aarti. Now I request Devji again to sing few lines of Aarti. Over to you. Aarti. Jaguru Deva Hare Sadguru Deva Hare Shishya Janaki Sanche Vashana me durke kare Joshanara me awe Satapata pawe Mohimite jivaka Sukashante wawe pawe Dukahade mite Jagaka Guru Murati Kati Kandrama Sevakanayana Chakur Palaka Palaka Nirakata Rahe Guru Murati Ki Or Shweta Shweta Maya Shweta He Shwet shwet my shwet Dina pada amriti bara Shwet mahamanada shwet Asta chakra sabasunya para Darad adhara ki garakiya Holy Padar Sensar. Thank you.
Thank you so much, uh, DFG, for this beautiful composition. Now everyone can sit down for the final prayer, Shanti part. In Shanti part, we chant for peace for everyone in this universe. May Sadhguru Dev bless the entire cosmos with peace, love, and prosperity. I would now request Devji again to recite the last few lines of Shanti part for us. Devji. Shanti part. <laughs> Hey, Prabhu Shanti Sarupo, Shanti Shanti Maya Shanti, Shanti Shanti Jana Shanti Ho, Purna Shanti Maya Shanti. Hey, Prabhu Shanti Pradhanakara, Duraho Sarva Ashanti. Deva Sadafala Shanti Maya Shanti Shanti Sukashanti Jesu Gurudev Bhagavan Ki Thank you, Devji, again. Now, I would like to thank everyone for joining us and making this satsang successful. I encourage everyone to ponder over the topic we discussed today. Especially, I would like to thank uh, Utkarsti and Devji and Mayaji uh, for this uh, satsang. Uh, the Navy has been conducting the satsang on Sunday uh, virtually um, in North America over the last few years. Any queries relating to this can be sent by email to info at bihangamyuga.org. Thank you for your valuable time and contribution to today's satsang. See you all next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. EST on the same Zoom session. Have a wonderful day ahead and Jasad Gurdjieff. Thank you.